Let's pray. God, thank you for the joy of the Lord. <laughs> Lord, thank you that you created laughter. Um, Lord, thank you that as we go into a discussion on favor, Father, um, Lord, I thank you that we get to have this discussion and that we get to consider how you show favor. <laughs> uh, we love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Uh, this, uh, this past week, uh, I'm working at a Starbucks, and my day to prepare for a sermon, uh, for this sermon, was Monday and Tuesday, and this sermon is going to be terrible uh, because I couldn't concentrate on Tuesday. Uh, my son uh, was working next to me doing the virtual thing, and all of a sudden, he just taps me with his phone and says, Dad, and, I, and he showed me this, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, my middle son, I know, there's a Jets fan clapping, uh, because uh, the Jets have, they're so thankful that they can finally maybe win a game now. Uh, but uh, I digress, uh, that's not how I make friends. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, Tom Brady retired, and it was just like, I, I like, it, it, like, you guys can clap, you guys can celebrate, I know, I grew up in New England, blah, 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 blah. like, I was fighting back tears. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, anyways, I, that during the week, actually it was on Monday, I think it was. Uh, I just got done, uh, no, Tuesday morning, I got done watching Man in the Arena, uh, the special on Tom Brady. And so Monday and Tuesday, I watched two more episodes uh, while on the elliptical. And while I was on the elliptical, uh, Tom Brady was talking about in the video how he doesn't like uh, having to explain himself uh, because he said, if, if I'm explaining myself, it's probably because I'm losing. Uh, and I don't like losing, so I don't like to have to be in a position where I have to explain myself. And it just kind of like got in my head as I was on the elliptical. And, and I got to the end where I was working out and I had this like one of those workouts where like I was in it, I was crushing it and at the very end of my workout I was gassed, I was in pain, I was like sucking, like, like fighting for air, like that type of a workout and it just kind of hit me at the end of my workout like I'm in extreme pain and it points to it was a good workout. Uh, and so I, I quickly uh, posted on my social media, uh, pain is my reward. And, uh, and then so some people told me that they were praying for me. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Like, uh, and so like, it was in my mindset that, man, like, I can grind it out. I can bring myself to a place of pain. But in certain circles, and like, a, like a good workout, pain is the reward for doing something right, healthy, and good. Sometimes we have to flip the script. Sometimes we have to think about it from a different perspective. And, and so we're in this series uh, that we've been looking at, uh, Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, uh, that says this, let not steadfast love and faithfulness uh, forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And okay, great. Like I, I was in a season of my life where I had to stop and I read that verse and I was like, I feel like a failure in so many different areas of life and I, and I want to live a successful life. And so I need to refocus. I need to get back to the basics. And so like the last few weeks, uh, the definition that we came up with uh, was uh, uh, biblical success is when God's ways and God's heart become my ways and my heart. Great, wonderful. We are striving to live that sort of a successful life. And last week, uh, we, the last few weeks, we've been looking at what we would consider, Landon, go to the next, uh, the verse again. Uh, we've been looking at the recipe, steadfast love, faithfulness. Uh, we looked at bind them around your neck as a form of commitment. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Uh, we looked at heart. So if we have all of those things, if we're really doing that, 
If we can die and say, like, hey, by and large, I showed steadfast love, or, or, or I'm living with steadfast love. I'm living with a sense of uh, faithfulness. I'm living with a sense of commitment. I have, I have the right heart behind all of this. That's the recipe. Now we're in a portion of this series where, okay, if we live like that, what are the results that we should expect? We put something in the mixer, we expect then maybe cupcakes to come out. Like, what, what are we hoping for? And so we're going to be looking at favor and, and success. What is, what is favor? We think of favor like X and Y. Like, if I do X, God will do Y. But, but if that's not the right equation, then, then we won't feel God's favor if we're looking at it incorrectly. Because we're treating favor, the favor of God, like a, like a math equation. Is that really it? Is that really the favor of God? Because you can go to any online, online preacher or anywhere you want. You can find a book out there that will tell you, you do X, God's favor will be Y. Is it really tit for tat? Because that sounds like religion, doesn't it? That sounds like you pay some money, you attend this class, and your ticket is made. You're on your way to nirvana. It, God's, God's favor may include a good promotion. God's favor might include some finances. God's favor might be a car. God's favor might be family. It, it, those things might come, but, but is, is that the end all be all? And does God show favor just to show favor? Or is it favor with a purpose? Today, we're going to look at, at Noah. He built a boat. Uh, and, and so we're going to look at Noah, and he's considered a person that, that had God's favor. He's literally the last person, legit one in a million, the last faithful person on planet Earth. If you are the last, the very last faithful person on planet Earth, what would you expect God to do to you and for you? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 6. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bibles, it will also be on the screen, or you can Google Genesis 6 ESV, and you can be following along. Uh, the first few verses. Now, uh, I don't know what got in my head uh, back in the day. I, I probably should have looked at Mary, because Mary was said to have had the favor of God. That would have been an easier passage. <laughs> because if you know Genesis chapter 6, it starts off by talking about angels sleeping with humans. Uh, and you thought the Bible was boring. Uh, and so it was just like this, this it's this really weird passage. And, and if you take it at face value, you're like, I don't know if I can keep reading this book. Uh, but there are plenty of scholars that have a, a, a variety of different opinions or, or scholarly opinions on this verse. And so the scholarly opinions are, yeah, angels and, and humans, I, I don't know. But it could also be the line of Seth uh, uh, marrying and having sex with the line of Cain. It, it, it could be people that are rulers. It could be the line of David. There, there are ways to look at this that are not word for word uh, humans and angels doing the dirty dirty <laughs> the the basis here what we what we can conclude from this from this confusing passage is that there was a lot of sin going on <laughs> that they were far from god the the healthy great earth that god had created the garden the the, the perfection there that mankind has fallen away from that to an extreme point they're abusing marriage they're taking, they're seeing what they want, and they're taking what they want. They have perverted the world to a state of injustice. They, it is filled with violence. They're assuming themselves to be, uh, to be deity. 
all these things that what we can look at and say, hey, this is not healthy, this is not good. The passage is talking about that. But also, the population is exploding. There's new life. There's attractive individuals being born. There's these mighty people. But as often as the case, when humanity gets more of something, we usually don't get healthier. We usually go to a place of moral decay. More and more and more doesn't often lead us to say, God, you're so good. <laughs> Let me be as holy as I can. <laughs> they go to a place of moral decay. They are careless sexually, careless in marriage. They are just simply careless. But on the one hand, they're literally breeding results. <laughs> they're literally getting results from, from, what, from their careless uh, way of living. But God, see, God doesn't always. What we see as good, sometimes God doesn't see that way. <laughs> and so God doesn't see it that way. And in the, in the section that we're kind of just talking through, uh, God says, in 120 years, this is all going to be over. <laughs> I have 120 years where, where I'm going to make a very, very big change. And so for them, they, they thought success but success in, in their worldly way made them careless and corrupt. It made them compromise. And so God responds to what he sees. And so we're going to pick it up now in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw that, their wicked, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he made the man on the earth. It grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, man and animals, creeping things, birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. In that moment, the, the, the generation, the people that, that God is speaking of them, with these people, they're looking around at seeing population growth. They're looking around and saying, man, look at, look at the type of person I am birthing. God must be pleased with us. God, we must, we must be under God's blessing. But God sees it as wicked, wrong, regrettable. Now again, that word regret, that word sorry, those are, those are words that are very hard for Hebrew scholars to, to translate. There is no less than 11 translations or 10 translations for, for these words. It's a very complex word. And so one commentary that I, I read said this of that word. Uh, I propose this word can be best understood in accounting terms. In bookkeeping, the ledgers must always be kept in balance. Debits equal credits. Uh, if the books are out of balance, it must be adjusted. So God is looking at mankind and saying, you have been weighed on the scales and you have been found wanting. And I look at our society as well. And to think that we have arrived and that God should be proud of us would make us delusional. <laughs> that God can look on humanity and be disappointed. And that God can grieve what he sees. Now think about this though. He says in 120 years, things are going to change. So God does not look, does not look on humanity and say, naughty, 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 thunderbolt, 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 like, and like, oh, like he's just gonna, like, he's that type, like, no, like we think of God as like the thunderbolt God and that if I walk into the church, <laughs> it's gonna burn down. <laughs> if that's you, you should come to on Sunday nights because we literally meet in a fire hall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. I digress. God, grieving is ultimately a word that indicates love. We don't grieve those that we don't love. <laughs> Millions of people die every single day. But I only grieve some. 
the ones I truly care about. And so God looks at humanity and says they have, as, as creator and in, in his divine right, he says it's time to restart. Last year, I, I've told you guys this before, and this is kind of some of the basis of, of this series, that, that last year I, I looked at my life and I was like, man, like things are stable, things are okay, but like I'm kind of growing, like I'm, I'm not as healthy as I, as I once was, and I kind of went, I, not kind of, I went into 2022 saying enough is enough, I need a good restart. Uh, and so changing up some morning habits, I've talked to you guys about that, and, uh, and changing up, like I've been doing insanity, and uh, I've been trying to count my calories, I'm like, okay, I tried keto, I tried this, I tried that. Every diet, and I'm like, how about if healthy is 2,000 calories, why don't I just eat 2,000 calories a day and just try to eat as clean as I can? Anyway, so uh, I've been trying to do that. I, I haven't missed a day of eating. I haven't eaten over 2,000 calories. I've been working out, uh, doing insanity and whatnot. And so I, I, I've gotten those results. But the reason I need a restart, the reason I need to shift back to what is healthy is because I was so far away from healthy. Like, it's easy for me to stand here and be like, let me tell you about my new habits. Let me tell you about the new results I'm getting. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And you know why I have to talk like that? Is how far gone I was. Sometimes you and I need a good restart. So before we go into a decision, uh, or discussion, I should say, on the word favor, right now we should look at our lives and say, where do I need a restart? Where do I need a, a jump start? Where, where, what, is, what is needed in a good restart? It's when, you, when, you, when you get to the point where you need a restart, you need this burning discontent for the current reality. You need an understanding that your current reality is not good. You need to understand what better looks like. And so for many of us, we need to get to that. We need to come into this room and say, yeah, I need a good restart. So to, to borrow a Dwight, uh, Dwight Schrute-ism, you ask what an idiot would do, and then you do not do that thing. And so in this regards, I ask what a wise person in said area would do, and then I do that thing. If I'm lacking in an area, I ask myself, what does somebody crushing it? in that area do, and then I do that thing. What would it look like to be the best Christian employee at my job? Then I go and I do that thing. What would it look like to be the best Christian student at my university, in my high school, or in my middle school? Then I go and I do that thing. What would it look like to be the best Christian in my family? Then I go and I do that thing. What would it look like to be the best Christian parent? I think about it. And then I go and I do that thing. What would it look like to be the best Christian in the midst of my church family? And then I go and I do that thing. Many of us need a, to start over and to think over, hey, what needs to change? Where do I need to restart? And now it's, it's I, I want to start kicking it into gear. Noah, this is what it says now of Noah. <laughs> after we've had like kind of the case of like how far they travel, but now there's Noah. But Noah, uh, the but is, is a word of favor, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. It goes on to talk about the generations, but it describes Noah in his generation as Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. If that was the only thing said of you when you died, Jason walked with God. Isn't that ultimately what we should be striving for day in and day out? God looked at humanity 
And there was one man that found the favor of God. Literally one man. Noah's not a minor biblical character. He's mentioned over 50 times. He's somebody mentioned in 11 different books of the Bible. Why? Because he was faithful. Why? Because he walked with God. Why? Because he was just. Noah's righteousness did not come from his good works. His good works came from his righteousness. It led to Noah being found and seen as blameless. And so if righteousness describes Noah standing before God, then blameless describes his conduct before people. Blameless does not mean that Noah was sinless because you just have to turn a few more pages to know that Noah had his own stuff that he was dealing with. (laughs) But Noah lived a life of integrity that was whole and complete, by and large, as he moved closer and closer to be like his Jesus. The person who was right before God through faith in Jesus Christ, that must lead to an expression of that faith, to living the right way, for faith without works is dead. Noah walked with God. Now step back, read the story. You get to Genesis, you're you're there, you're in it. That's said of Noah. He is legit the last person on planet Earth doing the right thing. If you are legit, like not just in your own mind, but God looks at you, looks at all of humanity, and you win the golden star. (laughs) You are the only person that is seen as righteous. You're the only one standing for what is right. You're the only one calling sin, sin, and and what is right, right. You're You're the only one that sees as God sees, doing the right thing. You are it. What should favor look like? But here's a question that doesn't seem like it should go in conjunction with that question. What would God's favor cost Noah? It cost him to work. Noah's favor led to Noah's assignment. Obedience and favor go hand in hand. This is more like a promotion and less like a bonus. You can can search the internet for favor, 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 and what you're going to find in many cases, what you and I are going to strive for is tit for tat, X equals Y, or this, that, the other thing, that if I do this, I get, God should show me his favor in the bonus. I should get the car. I should get the child. This loved one should live forever. I should get the house. I should get, I should get, I should get. But what if you have proven to be faithful with little and now God is going to be, say, here's, you can be faithful with much. What if he gives you more of a promotion, extra responsibility? The Lord's favor on, on Noah led to further obedience. It led to a 120 year building project of a boat <laughs> in the desert <laughs> where people didn't know what boats were. <laughs> That was Noah's reward for being faithful. And that's what was seen as favor. Landon uh, is turning uh, 12 in, in November. And a little bit ago, I read a book called uh, Play the Man uh, by Mark Batterson. And in it, it talks about 
uh, doing a year of discipleship uh, uh, around the age of uh, 12 and in that transition from boyhood uh, to manhood. Uh, and so since Landon's the firstborn, we make all of our mistakes with Landon. Uh, and, so, uh, and so I was like, hey, we're going we're gonna to fumble through this. And, uh, and so for a year, starting on his 12th birthday, uh, Landon already knows this is coming. He doesn't know exactly what it's going to mean, but he knows a little bit. Uh, but for a year, I'm going to favor Landon uh, uh, in many different ways over, his, over my uh, second-born son, Brady, named after the goat, uh, and, uh, and, and Reagan. Uh, but, but what is favor going to look like for Landon? I'm probably, in what I'm about to say, I'm probably going to invest over $2,000 in what I intend to do with him over, over the year, this year of, of discipleship. The year of favor is going to cost him that he's going to have to read a book a month uh, that I get to assign to him uh, to help him think through and, to, and work through. Landon's a, uh, you should pray for Brady. That's going to be hard for him. Uh, but, uh, but Landon, he'll eat that trash up. And uh, so he has to read 12 books. And every month, him and I, I'm going to take him out of school and for a dentist appointment or whatever. And so he'll have lunch with, he'll have lunch with me and we'll talk about this, this book. It's going to lead to something that's going to be hard to do, a physical challenge. So likely him and I will go on a three-day, uh, 40-mile hike, uh, Eagle Scout style. Uh, and then he's going to have to create a, his own CKA, how to love the community, how to see beyond his four walls and, and have a meeting with, with Heather, uh, Heather V and talk about how, how he could lead a CKA here through the church. He's going to have to get uh, certified as a, as a wilderness first responder because if daddy gets hurt while we're hiking, he has to be the one to save me. Uh, and if, it's, if he gets hurt, I'm just going to call somebody. Uh, and so he's going to have to get trained in that. Uh, and then at the end, there's going to be this one last epic hike uh, where, where a group of people come together and uh, we, we give him uh, kind of like our hurrah speech uh, into manhood. My favor with him and for him is, is going to cost him. I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to invest into him, but it's, it's for a purpose. There's a lot of kids his age that come to this church. I ain't going to do any of this for any of those kids. <laughs> they don't care. If, I mean, I care. <laughs> okay, I care. Okay, I'm helping you as a parent do that for your own kid. Okay, that's how I care. But I'm not actually going to do it for your kid. Why? Because Landon's my son. And he's the one that I'm focused on, and he's the one that I'm going to show favor to. Did, did Noah know that this whole boat thing was going to work out? Nope. <laughs> what are the dimensions? It's a football field and a half. What? God, really? Like, people, like, there's not a lot of water around me, and you're like, you want me to build a boat? Like, did he know? No. But did he know what God was asking of him? Yes. That's what faith is. Faith is trusting God with the results and seeing and doing before we actually experience the results. It's doing before we see. And it looks foolish, doesn't it? Oftentimes it looks foolish. Landon will look foolish at different times when he's doing things with his dad. Sometimes this will look foolish. Noah looked foolish building an ark uh, in the desert. Sarah, well, she looked foolish buying maternity clothes at the age of 99. David looked foolish when attacking Goliath with a slingshot. Moses looked foolish walking up to the king Pharaoh and saying, hey, let my people go. The Israelite army looked foolish when they were marching around the city with trumpets, but results speak for themselves. Perhaps it's foolish not to be willing to look foolish for your God. Protect yourself, protect your image, and you'll never build an ark. Protect yourself, protect your image, and you'll, you'll never kill a giant. Protect yourself, protect your image, and even if only for a moment, you'll never walk on water like Peter. The big thought for us and 
trying to play on some words here, is when God floats your boat, (laughs) he may ask you to build a boat. When God is everything to you, he may not, you may not go home to a boat in your driveway, (laughs) but you may get a building assignment. Favor opens up opportunity, but will you see it as opportunity? Will you see it as opportunity as you're putting every nail into the boat, as you're grinding? When God puts something before you, will you seize every opportunity to make it happen? Mark Bowerson, when he, when he talks about this, this story, he, he says that according to, to Jewish tradition, Noah didn't have trees. <laughs> so he had to plant trees to let them grow, to cut them down, to then build the boat. I don't know if that's true. He says that's according to Jewish tradition, but he had to get creative to be obedient over a long period of time. From start to finish, when you think about 120 years, all all this act of obedience was just under 44,000 days. live in a generation that says God is asking too much of me I've read my Bible for a week where's the promotion I've gone to church for six months why hasn't my bank account grown That opportunity, I've been, I've been doing the thing, doing the thing, doing the thing, and that opportunity did not come my way. And we lose sight that 44,000 days, Moses had, peri- Moses had a period of time, of, of blocks of time, 40 years at a time. Joseph was in jail for years, a slave for years. And we, we, we want to question God's favor. We want to question if God is faithful to us. When he's asking of us, don't, don't be faithful for your insta moment. Be faithful for the decades. Be faithful through the ages and the time of your life. Be faithful day in and day out. <laughs> and here's the other hard thing about favor. As when God starts showing you favor, it might actually get harder. <laughs> The favor might complicate your life. The favor might lead to you building a boat in the middle of a desert. But your life is going to be complicated one way or the other. You can let sin complicate your life, or you can let doing what is right complicate your life. And when the flood came, who was the favored one? Noah and his family. But it got harder. It got crappier (laughs) because if you think about it, (laughs) you can look at all those animals, take the average of how much they do do each day. (laughs) He was literally shoveling a thousand pounds a day out the boat. (laughs) It got harder. It didn't get easier. It got harder. Are you willing to let life get harder as God shows you favor because perhaps that is the favor. Is God favored in your finances? Is God favored in your schedule? 
Is God favored in your God-given ability? And if the answer is even remotely no, that he's, he's like, I'm not, I'm not motivated to worship God in my finances. I'm not wor- motivated to worship God in, in my schedule. I'm not motivated to worship God in the, in the areas that he's, he's giving me talent with. Then, then yes, it goes back to what we said last week. There is a heart check that you need. But if God has grip of your heart, are you showing him favor in those areas? And are you willing to be the last Christian on planet Earth to worship the one true king? In my men's group this past week, uh, I've talked about Todd now a thousand times, and I'm going to mention it one more time, him one more time. Got his permission because uh, he, <laughs> he came to my men's group, and we we're talking about last week. We talked about heart. We talked about Psalm 51, and so we had that discussion about confession and whatnot in our men's group. <laughs> and all, as only Todd can, he ends it. And guys, I got a confession. Yesterday I slept till three o'clock, <laughs> and, I, and then we all just started laughing because that's Todd. And I'm just like, man, I want to retire now. Like I like I try to sleep to three, and I can't. Like I can't do it. And like and but but you know why Todd <laughs> slept to three o'clock? Because God blessed him financially, and, and some of the decisions that he made to be able to retire early in his fifties, <laughs> and. And then now he's retired, and now he has all this time on his hands. And do you know why Todd slept to 3 o'clock? He didn't, he didn't share this in, in men's group. I, I know it of him, and, and I'm sharing it for him. Do you know why he slept to 3 o'clock? Because now he's using that time that God has blessed him with to work with the homeless ministry in Tom's River, where he's going out on the evenings where it's below, I think it's 32 degrees, and he's going, taking the bus or the van and going to these tent communities, knocking on the tents and inviting the homeless to come to the shelter. And so he's up at all hours of the night inviting, inviting these men and women to, to come to the shelter. God has shown him favor in his, in his uh, retirement, but you see what he's doing. He's using the hand of God to further God's hand and to build his kingdom. We have this value here called a give of yourself. We think every single Christian on planet Earth should get to a point where they see beyond themselves, where they're giving of their finances, they're giving of their time, they're giving of their God-given uh, talents, where they're building God's kingdom for that. God's favor necessitates that we will pursue and give of ourselves because it's not the attitude of a mature Christian of, I've earned I've earned. Do me. Serve me. God, serve me. Our attitude is, God, you have been so good. What can I give back to you? And so that is our challenge as we close out our time together is that you would consider the favor of God over your life and perhaps a new way of thinking over the favor of God and that you would give of yourself. Does your finances communicate worship? Does your schedule communicate worship? Does your your God-given talents communicate worship to God? And if not, it's time to decreate and restart in those areas. And so before we go into this last song of worship, we're going to sing the blessing. Uh, It seems fitting with what we're talking about. I want us to take communion together. And so if you guys could pull out your communion cups. uh, If you you don't have one, aisle hosts have uh, some additional ones in, in the back. 
But as we consider giving of ourselves to God in, in response and in worship, it's best for us to consider the ultimate sacrifice that he gave to us. To consider, for, you know, that's that lyric that we sing, for the one who gave it all, nothing is a sacrifice. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed with his best friends, He takes a cup, he takes bread. They all thought, hey, it's just a Passover dinner, just another Passover dinner. And Jesus changes it, <laughs> brings a, a different and greater significance to it. Jesus does exactly what we are doing right now, over 2,000 years later, because Jesus made a promise that the gates of hell would try to knock it all down but hell would never prevail and the church is still here and the church still takes communion together and so here we are and we're saying God on the night that he was betrayed he took bread, he passed it around and he said as often as you get together I want you to do this in remembrance of me and my body broken for you, let's take the bread together And then he took the cup. And so that this represents a new relationship formed, not by the blood of a lamb, but the, by the blood of the lamb, spilt for you, so that upon acceptance, you would be seen as righteous before God so that you could go and live a blameless life. As often as you get together, take this cup and remember my blood spilt for you. Let's take the cup. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for a conversation around favor. Father, I thank you that for those that have the Son are most favored indeed. <laughs> so, Father, I thank you that we have you. And I thank you, Father, for this consideration as we go into think about your favor in building your kingdom. In your name. Amen.